The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Yo, 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 party people! Hello to the Village. I'm Julia Gulia. She's Lenny O. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Julie. So as our listeners know, Lynn, we are all about trailblazing mm-hmm. women on Laughter Permitted. And we spoke with a colleague of ours at ESPN who is just that. And I'll add that she is at the beginning of her blazing of the trails. Oh, yes. The blazing is just beginning for sure. She's on fire. Our guest is Malika Andrews, who hosts a new show, NBA Today, on ESPN. And we might add, she's only 26 years old. Malika has been an NBA sideline reporter for ESPN and, in fact, was the youngest lead sideline reporter for the NBA Finals. This summer, she also became the youngest person ever to host the NBA trophy ceremony. Malika went to the University of Portland, where sports journalism came into her life, which we talk about with all of her success. Malika is open about how her journey has involved adversity and some extremely difficult moments. Let me just say, Malika is not only a rising star, she is a gem of a human being. So... Get comfortable listening. It's Malika Andrews. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this. Along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time, find and enjoy in life. So bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling alright, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. Did it work? <laughs> I am the worst millennial with neck talk. Where's the. <laughs> we Ha-ha! hear you. 
There it is. Hi. Hello. Oh, look at that Yeti. All right. Oh yeah, I have the the big the big stuff. The nice the big mic. Wow. Uh, from the bubble. I know. Look at it. Look at that. You look all put together and cute. I rarely get out of sweatshirts. Well, here's the trick though. It's not not that I didn't do this for you. It's just that I never changed. Right. I haven't gotten the chance off the show yeah. to do the stuff. So there is the silver lining of a daily show. You exactly. See, to... it's like you're already made up. And then it's like, well, am I going to Peloton before I talk to Julie? Am I going to Peloton <laughs> after? I'm going to Peloton after. So are we good, Lynn, sound wise? Yeah, we're great. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Summer loving. Um, all right. So <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God. No one ever, ever knows that song when I sing it. <laughs> I met a girl crazy, crazy for me. I met a boy, sweetest can be. Sweetest can be. That's what it is. Oh. Summer days. Yeah, I love musical theater. Like, love musical theater. That was probably. Oh. I don't want to. You know, first world problems. One of the hardest parts of the pandemic. But I, I really did not like watching theaters struggle yeah. so mm. not fun mm. although we did get to see hamilton on tv that was yes a plus. we did get to see hamilton on es disney plus yes. plug for the company <laughs> <laughs> okay so the first thing we always do malika is set the scene so where mm. are you what you doing how you doing those things how am I doing? I'm doing well. I am sitting on the floor of the corner of my living room where these shelves that are behind me are brand new and the pillows that are behind me are almost brand new. And my rug is very comfortable. And so I'm sitting on it and I have the Lakers game on playing the Grizzlies with the whole, we're missing a whole bunch of players with COVID mm-hmm. and I'm talking to you. Wait, so are you crisscross applesauce on the floor doing this interview? Cause that would not be comfortable. To me. I have one leg like folded half crisscross and the other I'm not, you're you know, some people are like, Oh, I'm, I'm no, I'm hypermobile. Like my elbows uh-huh. pop out the wrong direction. It's really weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes I'm sitting around in a, in a certain way and someone comes and like, looks at me sideways. I don't even realize I'm sitting that way because my bones aren't bones. They uh-huh. just, yeah, I am not hypermobile and yeah. I cannot I cannot sit like that. Yeah. Um, okay, how's it going? Five days a week. I can't even imagine every it's day you have different. a show. It's and and here's the thing. Here's here's I, I I've had this conversation now twice in the last two days. The thing about it is when I was working primarily as a beat reporter, right? And you're out in the field, if the information isn't there that day if the story just isn't presenting itself Mm -hmm, you can kind of tap out it's you know Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm around i'm chatting with folks i'm just not seeing it for that story that sports center hit whatever it is so i'll be back with this team tomorrow there's going to be another time to fight another day and Mm -hmm. doing a five day a week show it's hell or high water we are going on the air you're gonna find a story (laughs) and we are tasked with finding the interesting even on the days where the interesting is found in the mundane right and so it's it's been different i went from being a night at i say i was a night out i was a never no type of day person to a morning person Mm -hmm. um and it's 
it's definitely been different. It's been fun though, but I definitely have a whole newfound respect for anybody who is doing a five day a week television show, because there's nothing that can prepare you for it except for just doing it. And it must be a lot in terms of the technical side of it, because you've done a lot of reps on the (laughs) sideline and sports center hits, but to host is a whole different animal. I imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's just, you kind of have to just keep doing it. And, you know, I have the best team in television setting me up every day to try to kind of help me figure out that, that technical side of it, that figuring out this transition or where this camera is or how to follow this camera or how to do a walk around the studio while you're also talking to the camera and trying not to trip that, that type of deal, right. That's a whole other thing than trying not to trip on the sidelines and, I've done that too. Right. But, um, the tripping part, um, but (laughs) I, I think that it's, it's just, it's, it's an adjustment and it's, it's just television, right. I'm putting that in quotation. So it's, it's just Mm -hmm. another way to present information on television. And that's sort of how I try to distill it down and make it bite-sized for myself. Because otherwise I had this moment, I walked into the studio, I forgot my mask at a, on a side table in the studio and, uh, the crew breaks after this, the show is over. And so I forgot my mask in there. So after I changed, I went back into the studio to go and get my mask so that I could uh, go be around people again. And <laughs> there was no one in the studio, right? Cause we're still in those times. There's no one in the studio. It's just me. I'm, you know, not that big of a human being. The studio is enormous. There's all these lights on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. There's like 10 cameras in there. And it's completely dark and it's completely quiet. And I just had this moment of like, wow, Mm. every day, this whole thing lights up for me and for us Mm. every day, this place just comes alive for us. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of wild when you pinch yourself and think about it and, and have those moments. But if, I had those moments all the time. Then I don't know if I'd get out of bed because it's, it's like, Whoa, what, what, what are we, what is this? What are we doing here? Are you really, you know, 26 years old? Don't get me wrong. I worked really hard and I still work really hard, but it's, it can be an overwhelming feeling if you let it be. Yeah. Do you feel like you have an intention for the show? I have a lot of intentions for the show. And I think my intentions for the show, some of them overlap with my intentions for myself and some of them I would like to think complement each other, but they run parallel paths. So it's, I, I don't sit down and close my eyes and set an intention for every show. Like I'm sure the meditation tapes that I listen to would probably advise that I do, <laughs> but I want to entertain. We hope to inform and not just for the fans. I I really want the fans to have fun, but I sort of have this belief that if we genuinely enjoy each other and have fun talking about and reporting on basketball, then the people who are watching us are going to have fun because we have fun. And so I try every day, right. To bring that to the show. Like I think anybody tries to, but then sometimes there are certain days on certain stories where the intention is more informed than entertain. And other days Mm -hmm. it's more to entertain than have fun. And then, you know, for myself, it's, I watch the show back every day. Okay. How can I get better? Yeah. Because it's still, it's like players watching tape of themselves. 
Mm -hmm. and going back and Mm -hmm. something I thought was really great. Ooh, not that great. Something that I thought was awful. Oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Like, that's okay. Um, It's always that, isn't it? Right. It's never as as good or as bad. It never is ever. I was amazing there. I was great. Or, or you watch it back one time, which I did this more in the first like two weeks of the show, um, which we're only six weeks in now, but I would watch it back to the point, like I'd watch a segment so many times it it would start by thinking it was great. And then by the fifth time I've watched it, I was like, gosh, this is like the equivalent of smashing it up and putting it in the trash, whatever that equivalent is. Like that is what I would be doing. It's segment. probably good for you, Malika, that you have a, a show the next day, right? Cause it's like, okay, right. I gotta, I gotta turn the page. Well, it's a whole, that, and that is a different thing too, right? It's like, you literally don't get to get too high or too low because- mm-hmm. Another day. No matter what, the alarm go. is going off again and you're doing it all over again. Rinse and um, repeat. Let's rinse go. Rinse and repeat over and over and over again. So oh, that's good. In thinking about your trajectory, uh, there is some irony in, in where you got to today. And I'm going to be very, I'm very proud of myself for coming up for this one. And okay. I have Lay a feeling it's possible you've heard it before <laughs> that you broke out while in a bubble. <laughs> I actually, Lynn, that's a first. Are you serious? Yes. Slow clap for Lynn. Eh, 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 eh. bum. <laughs> no one has ever, I don't know if they've ever been brave enough to say, I'm not saying you're the first person to think it, but you're definitely the first person to say that's it out Lynn. loud. Dark kind of humor. Broke out. Well, in a bubble, and that's broke out a lot. in the bubble. I, I had a breakout during a place we were trying to have no breakout. Yeah, I see. Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. Stop. <laughs> so here, here is the deal: is that you were one of the first members of the media to enter the NBA bubble during the 2020 season, mm. and because life and time are blur, uh, <laughs> to give a sense of where we were at as a country. This was June, July, 2020 to October, 2020. Yes. And this was pre-vaccine. We're social distancing. There's so much unknown. Mm -hmm. So let's get to the important stuff. How in the world did you even know what to pack (laughs) and bring into the bubble? Well, when you know you're going somewhere for four months, the solution is just pack everything like that was just I and I'm a light packer I am a light packer Mm -hmm. and this was not a light packing situation and I I don't know how I acquired so much stuff when I was in there too like I the amount of stuff that I left with was just like where did this come from did I really do this much online shopping deal because that's a lot of outfits for every day well, I thought it was a lot of outfits for every day until I was doing 30 days. Of the I'm on TV all the time now. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah, I thought that was a lot. That's bad math. Five times, five times four is not 30. It's 20. It's fine. <laughs> I'm good at this. Um, it was a lot, it's, but it's, it's, you know, it was, it was a lot, but it was definitely also, we don't need to get too far into this, but the, the sports center wardrobe, I mean, I was rocking jeans so often and you just have yeah. to switch up the top a little bit and it, the, the, the f- anyways, but packing a lot. And the good thing is, remember it was Orlando in the summer. And so you're packing a lot, but it's all very thin and light and you get to fold mm-hmm. it in fun ways and put it in your shoes and all that stuff. But I packed everything and it still wasn't enough because you're moving four months is like a short-term move. Yeah. Um, the thing. It just, it was un- such unchartered 
territory yeah. to go into a situation. I didn't realize that you knew that it was going to be four months. Yeah. So, I mean, it was sort of a when it ends, but my editor, Christina Daglas, was sort of like, yeah, the plan is for you to be there for the full time. So however long the full time is, if that's three and a half, if that's four, if it gets burst in two weeks because they can't pull this off, that's what it is. So I packed one big check bag and one carry on. I put on my two masks and I waddled on over to JFK. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was a like lockdown pandemicer. I was a Mm telling my boyfriend he couldn't go for walks around the block in New York City <laughs> pandemic or um, partly because I was in New York and in New York, mm-hmm. it got hit hard and it got hit early. Mm-hmm. And there was so much unknown at the time other than this is so contagious and mm-hmm. um, people are dying. And so I really, I, I came from, I, my, my career started in newspapers um, my first landing spot out of college was the New York Times. And what I loved about the New York Times and what I wasn't ready to give up when they essentially told me we don't have um, space for you anymore is the feeling of covering things that matter. And sometimes that was hard to carry, but that feeling of covering things that truly matter wasn't something that I was ready to give up so much so that when I went to the Chicago Tribune, I was actively seeking out going to, I remember I went to this uh, Memorial Day basketball tournament that was meant to bring young men primarily, but young people who wanted to play basketball from opposite gangs because Mm -hmm. from Memorial Day, when they start counting shootings in Chicago, they they count the summer, Labor Labor Day and Memorial Day. Those are big you know, moments. And so in this certain part of town, this uh, group was trying to organize a basketball game between these rival gangs and to the, they would, they were in the the houses of these various different gang leaders trying to communicate to them. Hey, if you see your folks in this part of town on this court, don't shoot them. They're there to play Mm -hmm. basketball and be peaceful. And I was like, this is what I want to cover. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's sports, but I want, this is where I want to be. I'm seeking these things out, even though my job was to be a beat writer covering the bulls. And so I say all of that because when the opportunity to cover a global pandemic, that people were going to be watching this experiment essentially in the bubble Mm -hmm. to cover sports, not to mention the social justice component, but we didn't know how that was going to play out going into the bubble. You knew two things. One, all eyes were going to be on this in just in terms of the pandemic and two, it's about basketball. And that marriage to me was something that I wanted to cover. And then the social justice layer layer kind of came in, um, mm-hmm. not because it, it was going on. I mean, I was going to say before that, well, my entire life, the entire history of America, but um, mm-hmm. particularly in the bubble, I mean, the protests around the country had already started um, outside my window, actually. In New York City, I used to open my window and stick my head out and watch folks marching <laughs> no in the way. street. Um, I have some, yeah, some videos of that because I live right off Park Avenue. And so it's a major, um, mm-hmm. so uh, bubble is wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wild to think about like, yeah. oh, I was locked in Disney World and. <laughs> yeah, there's been, you've had some distance from it. Would you say you've, you have the ability to look back and recognize what you gained both professionally and personally 
Oh, for sure. I mean, I just don't think I would have gotten the thing about the bubble is you get the opportunity to be a one man band in a way that at ESPN, you really aren't very much. You're not carrying your own equipment and Mm -hmm. doing, and, and because, you know, we usually send 200 people more probably (laughs) to the finals and you have nine there, right. Crazy. You end up just having the opportunity inherently of, I, I don't know that I was going to be tapped to do sidelines had I not been thrust into it in the bubble. Um, and that's something I'm very grateful for because it was a, a new opportunity in terms of the way that players, you get to interact with players um, as a sideline reporter in terms of they don't, off, they don't always watch the studio shows, but they watch the games. And so to have yeah. that sort of um, opportunity to build credibility there, yeah. that has helped me in so many yeah. different ways. So it was yeah. the writing, it was, it was all these different yeah. things that you got to do that I don't know. It's not that, I don't know if I ever would have gotten to do them, but I certainly don't think I would have gotten to do them as quickly as mm-hmm. I have now. Mm-hmm. I've never put that connection together of a sideline reporter builds the relationships with the player that the in-studio host can't. And it makes me think about Doris Burke and how we interviewed her. And I mentioned how when she interviews players, I wait for that moment at the end of the interview when they say, thanks, Doris. Mm. And how mm-hmm. how you have the ability to build that relationship. And Julie's mm-hmm. talked about that as well with her work with the U.S. Women's National Team. Yeah. It, well, I, and it's the perfect it, opportunity to build trust. Which is, I think, the most important thing, right? When you're coming into that industry um, and into that sport is they need to know they can trust you. I mean, there's no better way, make or break, than a bubble to identify like, okay, we're in this foxhole together. And thank goodness I have Malika by my side. Right. Right? And I, and, and yeah, like, it's just, it's, it's a different, it's a different type of thing. And, and to me, you know, trust doesn't always mean you're going to like me, right? Right. Trust doesn't always mean that you are going to like what I have to say or necessarily agree with the person whose information I'm, I'm sharing, but you trust me enough to know that I have put in the time and the work that I'm not speaking off the cuff I, I am doing this coming from a place of accountability and I hold you to account, you hold me to account. And so I think that that's something, especially for women, for young women, I think working on the sidelines, again, that was a job until I did it. It was something that it, you have to work so hard and you get into the game, you know, four times, but the, the level of preparedness that all of these sideline reporters, especially at ESPN, put in. I learned so much from was- watching Lisa Salters and Cassidy Hubbard mm-hmm. and, and how they did their jobs and how they go mm-hmm. about their jobs. And they are so helpful and so supportive. And the amount of times in the bubble that Cassidy was basically writing my questions with me over text <laughs> when I was going back to her and saying, oh, but how's this phrasing and how's this wording? Yeah. And she's like, ah, I think that's good wording, but do you want to tweak this? I'm like, yeah, that's right. And then a buzzer beater happens and it all went, all my questions and <laughs> <laughs> and I had perfectly prepared. I had to rip into a million pieces. Like that whole 
yeah. ordeal it was something I didn't even yeah. know could and did happen. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I'll say about the bubble is that, you know, most people, when they're learning their craft in television, they're doing it in a local market on local news, yeah. right? Or you on can a make all the mistakes in the world yeah. and no one sees it. They're like, <gasps> put you on this channel so no one sees it and <laughs> nobody nobody knows that's when i checked the box that says only get mentions from people you follow <laughs> <laughs> right uh yeah i mean someone asked me that once i think it was about the finals it was about like oh like what's it like when you realize like millions of people are watching you you cannot think about that. If you think about that, yeah. then that's when your eyes get big and you're, you're, you know, you're, you start to that trickle down your thigh happens. Like that's not, we don't, we don't do that. So you just have to yeah. stare and go. But I got, when I, the thing about it is when I watch, um, watched tapes back from my hits at the beginning of the bubble to my hits at the end of the bubble, oh my God, I got so much better. Mm -hmm. And then when I watch hits from the end of the bubble to six months later and from the da, 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 da. So I guess the goal is to constantly be embarrassed by what you did six months ago in terms of the <laughs> delivery, right? Like the content, you don't want to be embarrassed by the content. You want to be prepared. But the delivery, the goal is to always be like, wow, like I got so much better. So, oh, and the fact that I got so much better with that many people watching, it's like, ooh, <laughs> you, sorry. Let me take this opportunity to say sorry. <laughs> you have always been so, silky smooth and everyone sees the 26 year old hosting your own show and they think okay the shiny end product but they don't know as <laughs> is often the case there's always more to the story so let's go back quickly to yeah. a period when you were growing up and it was quite challenging take me back to middle school you oh boy um yeah I had a tough I mean like I had a tough off time in, in middle school and um, adult me is grateful to middle school me for putting in the time and the work on myself early. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had, I had a tough time. I went to private school because my parents wanted better for me, right. That all parents do than what they had. Mm -hmm. And I was a good student, but at some point, I just decided that I wasn't putting in the work anymore. And I couldn't, because I couldn't do it. I decided I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I wasn't smart enough. And I just, I remember like hiding from my teachers in sixth, seventh grade who were looking for me for tutoring um, when I didn't want to go. And so um, I went to a kindergarten through 12th grade school. And that was a school where a lot of people, they stayed, um, from that middle school to high school. And, um, I was told I wasn't invited back. I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't stay for high school. Um, and I, uh, I ended up not only leaving the school and one, it was one day too. I was at school, uh, in seventh grade, it was March and, um, I got in a yucky disagreement with a friend and I just, uh, picked up and told my mother, I, I'm, I, I can't, I, I can't do this anymore. And mm. I don't think, you know, I don't think you can know when you're 14, 
um, that that means that you're going to get moved around to a bunch of different schools um, and boarding schools and treatment facilities and rehabilitation centers, um, that that meant that your whole life was going to be different. You know, I first told the story to Andrew Marchand in the New York Post because he was understandably so asking me all these questions about how everything just went so smoothly and so mm. perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt weird about representing that mm-hmm. um, because everything that, you know, all the insecurities you have when you're a teenage girl, you're lucky if you get to kind of grow out of them because I, and I say that because you have to put in the work and do all these things, but those, that same deep seated stuff, when you're on television every day and people are criticizing you and coming after you and saying all those things, it's not like you get to put it in a neat little box and set it over to the side, like Mm -hmm. check, this has all been dealt with and done. And I think I, I told to Andrew, um, the degree of what I was ready to publicly kind of face. And there's still like a lot of it that I'm just not, I'm, I'm not ready to kind of go through and share Mm -hmm. because even now it sounds like an after school special, right? Like, Oh, the Mm -hmm. 15 year old girl who, went to four boarding schools and was in a psychiatric unit and, um, you know, had an eating disorder and it's all in the past. And now she hosts a television show. Like that's not exactly it. Mm -hmm. I think when you're still kind of working on things that that's sort of what you put in your pocket and you work on them. And hopefully you get to a point where you can share more because, um, you know, I, I do want to help but it's hard to help when you're still kind of working on some of the things yeah. yourself. It's not linear. Life isn't no. linear. Success <laughs> isn't linear. And I think no. often we as young people think that it needs to be a steady right. progression up. Then it's it's not. It's a jungle gym. It's a shit show. It's a lot of things, <laughs> but it's certainly not clean. No, and it's, messy it's not. And, um, and I ran I, away from boarding school <laughs> twice. <laughs> It's just like, yeah. oh, you know, it's and just, those yeah, who it's... pretend that everything's perfect and clean, it's like, ugh, come yeah. on, right? Yeah. Like this it's is not. this is real. And it's I not. think, and then, but it's also like, oh well, like, well, tell me more, tell me this, and it's like, you know, I, I appreciate that, but also, it's made me appreciate too this this balance, right? And then when it comes back to trust, right, the trust that we are trying to maintain with with these athletes that we work with, with these people that we work with. Mm-hmm. I do, I think between the show and it's not the same, it is not the same as, you know, having a hundred million followers and a, a, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people watching you. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a teeny tiny way, it has made me, not that I wasn't empathetic, but more empathetic, I hope, um, when there is a 
player who says, well, like maybe not this one. And there are times when I think, yes, this is necessary to push and I'm going to push you um, because that's what maybe the audience deserves in this story or your story deserves in this piece. Um, But it also has made me sort of think about the what it takes to sort of share a part of you, especially that you haven't shared before with, with other people. So as you're navigating all of this, you find yourself at University of Portland. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And then tell me about that phase of your life. So I went, I, I completed all of high school in boarding school. I never went to quote unquote normal high school. Mm -hmm. Um, my entire school was, I think the biggest school in my boarding school was 30 kids. Um, and, um, we all lived in like a house. It wasn't like we lived in a house together. This isn't like when you think of, you know, a Miss Potter's boarding school type of deal. It's, it's very small, um, because they're working with, young people who need that kind of one-on-one attention. And so, um, I went to a boarding school. The first one was all girls first. Yeah. First. Well, so I went from hospital to wilderness to no hospital treatment center, wilderness, boarding school, boarding school. So my wilderness treatment center, wilderness, and first boarding school were all, all girls. So that was Mm -hmm. 14 to, I want to say 16 or 17, um, 16, let's say 16. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I went to another boarding school that was meant to be sort of transitional that was co-ed and throughout all of that, most people that I was in school with were 30. The second boarding school I went to the last one, the one that I graduated high school at my graduating class was seven. I was the only girl and Mm -hmm. we went to school in a trailer. So there was a trailer that they converted. They put partitions up in it to be different classrooms. So like my English class was in the back of the trailer. My math class was to the right of the trailer and the study hall was in the front of the trailer. And, um, social studies was in like history was in the house in like the living room. Um, so that's the type of schooling science, same thing was in the other living room. Um, so that's the type of school I was schooling I was coming from. And that I went from middle school to that to, oh, by the way, now it's time to go to college. Mm-hmm. So I came home, I graduated high school, it was year-round school, and it was basically independent study. You're given like a binder and it's okay, you're gonna you need to take four math classes, you need to take five English classes, mm-hmm. whatever. And this is the credits you need basically to graduate. And I poured myself into being a good student again. Um, and so I graduated with good grades, but also this kind of background knowledge, this like lack of confidence in my head that any of it was real, that I was actually smart, that I could actually do it, that mm-hmm. I could actually succeed with big lecture classes. And all you hear is how scary that is, even for people who went to normal high school. Mm-hmm. And so I graduated high school at 17 and barely 17 or excuse me. Uh, yeah, barely 17. And so I took a year off. I didn't have my driver's license, like none of the things that you do. I took a year off to basically let my peers catch up to me 
because I, they hadn't gone through summer school like I had. Um, and I worked at a law firm, my grandfather's law firm as a, uh, secretary and, I got a SAT tutor and I took the SATs because I hadn't done that. And um, I got a college counselor. And one of the biggest bullet points was it can't be too big of a school because I was afraid I was going to get exposed for not really being good at anything. Um, And so the University of Portland was one of the schools that she recommended um, based on the class sizes, based on the location. so I went up and visited it and I loved it. And I didn't know I wanted to study um, or go into journalism rather. I didn't study journalism, but I didn't know I wanted to go into journalism. Right. Um, but my best friend who I made my freshman year, who still is, she works at CNN now. Um, she worked for the school paper and I always loved to write. Like I love to write. And even when I, when I was having a tough time, I wrote every day. Like I still, I'm, one of the things I'm really glad I did is I kept journals throughout mm. all every day throughout oh all my of my gosh. boarding school time. And I have them in a box and eventually I'll go back. Oh them. my gosh. That's um, going to be something. Yeah. And um, so I always loved to write, but I never knew what outlet I was going to, you know, used to write? Was it going to be books? Was it going to be PR? Was it going to be writing memos and be a lawyer? You know, I didn't, whatever it was going to be. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started at the school paper as a sophomore and I just, I loved it. Like I just, (laughs) I was hooked. I loved it. And the only opening they had was in sports. And so I said, I grew up a sports fan. I can do this. Yes. You raised your hand. I did. I raised my hand. The University of Portland, Julie, is a a soccer school. So it's, uh, I goes writing a lot about soccer. And purple. And you're right. Boom. See, you're pilot purple. So um, (laughs) yeah, I just, I was hooked. And so I became an editor and then the editor. And I got fired from an on-campus, another on-campus job because I was working too much on the paper while I was on the clock for like another job because I needed to pay my, my on-campus rent. And, you know, so I just, I was, oh I, gosh. I loved it. I mean, in class, All because your job. best friend was writing. All because my best friend and I was, I wanted to do an extracurricular and I wanted to spend more time with her and I loved to write. <laughs> and I thought I wanted to go into PR and I took one PR class. I was like, <laughs> this feels way too glossy for me, which is great. We need PR people in the world, but um, PR people are great. They're a little PR great. people are great. It just wasn't great. For a little me. shallow. Wasn't great rough. for me. That's how we're gonna. That's how we're gonna break that. But then I just. It was the right. I never thought I was going into television. I wanted to be a newspaper writer for the rest of my life. I loved it. Um, leaving the New York Times broke my heart. It really did. Yeah. Uh, leaving the Chicago Tribune was terrifying for me. I thought that I I didn't know, I I came because I trusted the editor, Christina, um, and some of my colleagues, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, Mark Spears, Nick Friedel, like they were telling me, no, no, like this is going to be a good move for you. Mm. I didn't see myself going into TV, (laughs) never, ever. Oh, so good. What do you love about journalism? Well, I'm in constant awe of journalists. And that's pretty cool to constantly be in awe of your peers and the work that they produce. Um, I think Nicole Hannah-Jones, for example, is one of the brightest 
spots of humanity, right? And I think that the fact that we get to shape how people learn about and then in turn think about the world Mm -hmm. is crazy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the way that I shape it now maybe is a little bit more frivolous than the way that someone else might, might shape it. Right. Um, But it's still a part of the world that's important to people. So when people say, Oh, sports is the little brother of the newsroom. It's like, well, maybe you're not, you know, going in and reaching into a backpack that may have an explosive in it and getting your hand blown off, but you're also informing a portion of the world about something they are fascinated by. And sometimes that also dovetails into this holding power to account. I wrote the first story I, the first story I remember writing, it wasn't the first one, but the first big story I wrote for my school paper it uh, was about this kid who got a concussion because he ran into a wall on the field. And the trainer told me that he had suggested to the administration several times they put up padding around the cement wall. Mm. Otherwise, the kid was going to get seriously hurt. And this kid got seriously hurt. He had to go and he had a brain bleed and it was bad. Um, and then a couple of days later, after my story came out, they padded the wall. And it was like, hmm. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. The it's it's this have. big. No one, you know, mm-hmm. no one probably at the University of Portland now, years later, knows that there was a cause and effect that we at the Beacon had to get that padded. Mm-hmm. But I know, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. If you think about, and, I, and you're at 26 years old, obviously there's going to be so much more trailblazing that's happening. What does 36-year-old Malika Andrews look like? Hope I can still sit crisscross on the floor. <laughs> you will not be able to sit crisscross applesauce. Oh, man. You know, I, I, the thing about it, though, is if you'd asked me what I was going to be doing five years ago, five years ago, I, I wouldn't have said this. Yeah. So I hope that I get to continue to build this show because it has been so awesome and such a privilege. And we're only six weeks in and we see it. We see the audience growing. We see our ratings are up. We see all the, you know, all the different numbers, the tangibles that go with the intangibles. We're seeing those mm-hmm. and that's awesome. Um, but I just, I, I really hope to tell some stories. I, I, I hope to have a new wall, right? Like a new mm-hmm. wall story, whatever that is. I hope that I get to have more of those moments and I hope that, we get to have more of those moments because, you know, I, I think back to that and that was uh, a little more than five years ago. It was uh, or actually, yeah, it was, it was almost a little less than 10 years ago, right? That was nine years ago. Now when I think about it as math, the thing, yep, that's right. Nine years ago. Um, and I think that, you know, the next one, that type of story, that's the thing about this is, that feeling of telling a good story, there is nothing like it. And so there's a little bit of an adrenaline junkie to what we do, right? Mm -hmm. And so to get that feeling more and to do it in different and bigger ways, whether it's on your own show or the first NBA finals that you've ever done or uh, the first daytime talk show that you've done or a book that you want to write. There's so many things that I hope that I get lucky enough to do. Um, 
And but it all what? just comes back down to good stories. Don't say it. There's, there's a lot of walls <laughs> that need padding. See? <laughs> Up there. I, there I just are... hope that I'm if I'm out here padding walls, then hey. there are a lot <laughs> of walls that need padding. See? And it, the power of that, to your point of influencing in our women's soccer world, just real quick, two women who are investigative reporters who broke stories on coaches and um and things that are happening. It, if it that doesn't happen without those two beat writers being fully committed to the sport and to writing right. um, in this position. And, and to, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's so needed. The, the me too movement. There are two journalists at the New York times who truly right. were the women who earned the trust of these actresses mm-hmm. to, eventually topple Harvey Weinstein. Mm -hmm. Um, That's journalism. That's the power of journalism. It exists in sports. It exists in entertainment. It exists everywhere. And sometimes you get to do the the fun and the fluffy. And sometimes you get to do the serious and the lasting. And all of it is cool. Well, the fact that you have the range to do it all, (laughs) that says a lot. Do you have the range yeah. for the Lynn game, Malika? No. Yes, Let's I do. <laughs> go, sister. I'm ready. I think. Do you have a Do you have a noisemaker yes. for the game? Let's Look see what you got. Already, Look at your on it. These are my fun candlestick holders, and I love them. Oh, look at how cute they are. Hold on, I gotta get my noisemaker. Can you do it into the mic? Let's Let's hear it. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of light. Want louder? I can get louder. Yeah, we need a little louder. Okay. I'm closing my louder. door in hopes that Swaggy does not wake up to her squeaky toy. Please make noise. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Spoons. Yeah. Have you ever played spoons? Oh. I have played spoons. Malika, you were about to go head to head with Julie in a trivia game. There will be five questions, best of five wins. There's always a theme for the game. Okay. And doing research for this interview, I, you know, I did a deep dive. I saw on your Insta and Twitter bios that you have a coffee cup emoji. I do. Which led me to believe that you like coffee. I drink a gross amount of it. You're in good company. You also have two coffee lovers in your <laughs> presence. So this game is called Coffee Club. All of the questions will be about coffee. All of the questions are also multiple choice if you think you know the answer, you can spoon in at any point. Spoon in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just so happy it's not the generational ones like you always do. I thought for sure I was going to be. Generation gap, yeah. Yeah. All right. See, I would be bad at that, though. Yeah. That, like, that oh. would embarrass me. This will probably embarrass me, too, but we'll try it. <laughs> they all embarrass me. Question one. What is a red eye drink? Is it A, coffee with a shot of espresso? B, three shots of espresso straight up, or C, coffee with water? Malika. A. Correct. Yeah! That's after taking a red eye. I thought it was B, actually. (laughs) That's what it is, right? And have you ordered it? Yes, I have. (laughs) Yes, I have. I thought it was three straight up shots. Give me the triple. Okay. Question two. What coffee company has the slogan, good to the last drop? Is it- What am I doing? I got too excited. I should have waited. It's not like I haven't played this 77 times. I like the squeak though. Why also do my like 
over here with the spoons like flying away. Okay. Folgers. <laughs> Folgers. Correct. Come on. That's right. Incorrect. Oh, do I get to hear the options or did you get yes. to guys? Malika, you sure do. Yeah. You sure do. I, okay. It's, it's the slogan's good to the last drop. Correct. All right. It's already been narrowed down to 50-50 for you because the options are A, Maxwell House, oh. B, Folgers, oh. or C, Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, I don't know this. I don't know this. Shoot. C? Julie? Incorrect! Ah, oh, God! <laughs> Maxwell House! Yes. I should have known that too because that's not Dunkin Donuts slogan. It's not. I So, America right. runs on Dunkin. Yes. God. I knew <laughs> that. Okay. Question 3. You're still in it. Actually, you're winning. Uh, no, not one. it's one and one, isn't it? Oh, no, she that no, doesn't count. Yeah. Ha-ha. Sorry. <laughs> I'm really going crazy. Oh, thank God I love it. <laughs> I get like so abnormally competitive with people and they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Let's go. Remember when you hope the dog didn't wake up. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. I love you. Question three. What year, <laughs> swaggy, what year did the first Starbucks store open in Seattle? Ooh. Was it A, 1951, B, 1961, or C, 1971? Julie. 1971. Correct. <gasps> yeah, baby. Good one, good one. It's a great Oh, uh, It's a cool, and it's a cool, the like, that's a very Pacific Northwesty tourist attraction. Yeah. I think it's 1-1. One, one. No, uh, hello, Maxwell House 1, 1971-2. No, you missed that. No, uh, Malika said Duncan. I missed the folders, but then I got, oh, wait, no. No, you don't, you don't. Wait, you don't get a third chance at it? Oh, darn it. Okay, one, one. Yeah, one, one. One, you get one shot, just okay, like okay. Eminem said. I guess that would be like the only one thing One opportunity <laughs> to seize everything you ever wanted. Let's go. <laughs> Question four. What two states produce America's coffee? Is it A, Hawaii and California? B, Swaggy. B, Hawaii and Rhode Island, or C, Hawaii and Kansas? Can you repeat the option? Yeah, I agree. A, A, Hawaii and California, B, Hawaii and Rhode Island, or C, Hawaii and Kansas? Julie. Hawaii and California. Correct. Oh, yes, I had no idea. I knew Hawaii. Uh, yeah, Hawaii. I was like, Hawaii and... Pretty sure it was in every it was in every option, so it has yeah. to be Hawaii. Hawaii and... Hawaii and California. Okay. All right. Uh, so Hawaii. what are we at now? What's the count? Two, two to Julie one. one me. Two to one. Okay, this could tie mm. it up, Malika. Question five. What country drinks the most coffee per capita? Is it A, Finland... B, the United States, or C, Italy? <laughs> a tentative Papa, spoon. It's a tentative spoon. It's an Italy, uh, United States, or, or Finland, Finland were the three options. Mm-hmm. 
we're so gross that I want to say us, but then there's a part of me that says Italy, but I'm going to say us, United States. Incorrect. God. Wait, what was it per person? Per capita. capita. Per capita. I can hear Swaggy pounding on the door. Pounding on the door. I think that means, Julie, you win because you were up 2-1. Oh, you're you wanna... right. I don't even have to guess. I don't even have to guess. I'm going to say Italy. Incorrect. Italy? Oh, Finland. It's Finland. Really? What, are they, what about Cuba? I feel like Cuba, Cuba, Cuban folks take their coffee very seriously. Your, I'd have to Google source? that. What is your source, Lynn? <laughs> you know I GTS'd it. Google that shit. Okay, most pressing questions, Malika. Okay, is this like rapid mm-hmm. fire or slow? Oh gosh, how, okay. I can only win at this. How was the bubble literally, full disclosure, we're all Disney employees. How was the bubble your first visit to a Disney park and you're from California. I don't even know. I don't even know. I grew up in Northern California. That's the only excuse I have. I really don't even, I don't know. It's, it's bad. And now I, I have to go. Now I live in Southern California. You couldn't go too because it was closed during the bubble, right? So it's never like you got it. You, you were at Disney World. I have never ridden on a (gasps) Disney ride, but that is going to change. It's going to, and I've given away my Disney tickets too. It's not like my fan, you know, we get yeah. the stuff and my family members, I've totally sent them to Disneyland. Still have never been to Disneyland, We're gonna but go I will, to I will go. Together. I'm going to go. Let's do that. Yeah, That's what we're doing. That. Yeah. That's better than the beach for me. I don't, I have a thing about sand on my feet. I don't like the way it feels. <laughs> it feels like, like fancy dirt to me. <laughs> All right, Malika, next most pressing. If I have this correct, you start prepping for the NBA today at 6 a.m.? That's right. Oh, that's when I, yep, that's right. So I'm wondering what time does your alarm clock go off? 5.59. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm not, I I take it to the last, last possible minute, last possible minute. And then sometimes I actually am the person I set my alarm even earlier so that I can press snooze because I (laughs) very well. So I say, so I take it no hosting of Good Morning America in the near future. Well, I thought that I would never be a morning person with my day starting at six, and it is. So now I'm saying never say never because it's, I can, I can, that clock is just going to keep going back, baby. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Our last segment we do is called high low cheer it's something i do around the dinner table with my kids high of their day low of their day and someone they cheer for and then for you we're going to do high of your career low of your career and your cheer is for someone who's helped you along the way start with your high my high was hosting the trophy ceremony Ah. that was yeah it just was the coolest feeling. And it's not that I rank it above, you know, having a show or any, it's just like feeling in your stomach wise. I've never had a feeling in my stomach Mm. like that and walking off the floor. And I made a FaceTime my, my parents and I called my partner and it was like, I just, I could not wait to kind of like, did you see me? Did you see me? And I'm not like, I'm not like that. That's not, 
I'm not that person. And, um, uh, oh gosh, it was just, what's it was that the feeling in your feeling. stomach? What was it like? I mean, it went from really nervous when the mic wasn't, it didn't work the first time I said, I literally said like out to the world, you know, ladies and gem- gentlemen, please join me in welcoming NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, um, into the mic. Mm-hmm. And I handed Adam Silver the mic and he like handed it back to me. Like it was a hot potato and like, I'd done something wrong. And the PA, um, came up to me and was like, you need to introduce him. And I was like, I just introduced him, <laughs> but no one heard it because it didn't, the mic, there was something up with the mic. They handed me the wrong mic and it didn't go out. So it went from that feeling of, and then Tim Corrigan, my producer got in my ear and said in his, he has this, I'm not even going to try to do his voice, but it's very soothing. And he's like, you, and it's kind of crackly. It's, you got this Malika. It was like, like, like that. And I was like, I, I think I must have straightened up a little bit. So I was like, I do, I do got this. Oh. And, um, and then it just, from there, the mic worked <laughs> and it was, it was just, so it went from this feeling of what is wrong to, um, I've been preparing for this for weeks. I know the questions. Um, and when Bobby Portis, when the crowd was chanting and wanting Bobby and, um, I was so nervous. I was so nervous to do that trophy ceremony. I just was my just bubbles everywhere. And, um, when it started, it was like, no, no, I know what, I know where we're going. Like we got this yeah. to the point that when the crowd started chanting for Bobby and I wasn't planning for Bobby, um, it was just now it was like, yeah, I have a question for Bobby. Like, yeah, like this is, <laughs> this is great. Like, let's just, I, it was, it was the coolest feeling and it's not about me. It's about Giannis and Chris and Brooke and Mike Budenholzer and all these other people, but to be able to in my little way, play a role in that. And I love seeing, you know, in the like NBA 75, you know, when you look back at the golden state championships and you see Doris, um, Mm -hmm. not saying anything, not commanding anything, not, um, this is my moment, but she's just present and Mm -hmm. a, uh, a, a, recorder of that history it's really cool to know that in 2021 I was the recorder of that history Mm -hmm. and it's like that's that's awesome that's cool Mm. so smooth too that's what I think when I see you I just practiced it like Julie I practiced it it was literally I was getting quizzed um second question Giannis Third question, Chris, uh, now do the second question for Drew and then the first question for Bud and your first question. Like, it was like, I knew it. It was like flashcards. Like, that's oh, how I was. that they did all that. You know, yeah. um, it was me and my, my, I uh, <laughs> made my boyfriend quiz me. Oh, that you guys did it together. Yeah. Oh, and so he was like, oh, yeah, so I smart. mouthed the questions along with you when I was watching you do it. <laughs> oh. Oh, it made me feel kind of like a rock star. Um, and, All right, um, you're low. You are a rock star, Malika. Yeah. Maybe I feel like one. So that was a high, high, very high. But I've had, I've been lucky enough that um, the things that were my highs, then I got a new one and a new one and a new. Because if you asked me a year ago, it would have been the bubble, and the, you know. So yeah. I'm lucky that I get t- to yes. constantly be reaching new highs. And then you're. I low. got a lot of lows too. 
Oh, Milo. I mean, I, I've, I've said it tonight. Milo is probably when, um, my editor at the New York times told me, um, cause I came in as an intern and I was there and I got extended, um, from a three month intern to a six month intern to a year long intern. And, uh, there were three of us that got extended that long. The other four, the other two were in the Metro section. Um, and they still work for the times. And, um, so it was sort of like I'd been extended for so long. They were up against this deadline of they either have to convert me to a full-time employee um, because the, the New York Times is a union, which is wonderful, um, mm-hmm. or let me go on my way. Um, and I just, you know, I'm a, I grew up watching Sex in the City. You know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> that I just got my first apartment in New York. It was this tiny studio that I thought was a kingdom um Mm -hmm. they found a bed bug in my bathroom that I didn't have bed bugs it was like a dead bed bug had gotten on me in the subway and I like still loved it even though I had that scare (laughs) the whole thing um they and I yeah the whole I loved it love New York and my editor all that was I by the way even the the that scare um (laughs) and my editor told me Working at the New York Times is like being appointed to the Supreme Court. And it's a big responsibility for me because I know that when you're appointed, when you're hired at the New York Times, this is a seat for life and you're not ready. And it was like, I, I, I don't think I'd ever been told a professional no on something I wanted so badly. Mm. And I just thought that, you know, the New York Times is the paper of record for the world. And the Washington Post is a wonderful paper. I've had co- great colleagues who worked for the Washington Post. The Los Angeles Times is a great paper. The San Francisco Chronicle, the Chicago Tribune. The New York Times is like, like my aunt that had nothing to do with sports and lived in London. Um, she got the New York Times and would tell her friends that her niece worked for the New York Times. And I just felt like anything I did from there on out, wouldn't that be how could I possibly do anything bigger? Um, how could I possibly tell more important stories than the stories that the New York times were telling? And, um, that was tough. That was a tough mm-hmm. sentiment to swallow. I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah. I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> You're like, yeah, look at me, New York Times. <laughs> there's still there's still a small like i've i've it's gotten easier but there's still a small part of me that's like man they didn't want me like that and i think that's what it comes down to like when you when you get the feeling of you're not wanted that's like that kind of stings it's kind of like my boyfriend who who crushed me in high school and then my first olympic gold medal i hear this bowdy and it was him in the stands and i was like oh my god and all the team knew about him your first olympic gold medal yeah yeah and and i was like hey (laughs) you're like hey see this hey how are you and by that by that point julie had a really hot british guy by her oh, side see that's and that's what you were doing it wasn't the gold medal just- <laughs> yeah okay and your cheer well since i talked about it earlier i guess it has to be for my friend claire duffy right the mm-hmm. she was you know and the cool thing about me and claire is um 
I don't think we, we ever said her name, so I'm glad yeah, we said her name. Claire she, Duffy. Nice. Yeah, Claire Duffy. She uh, covers big tech for um, CNN. She is, I don't have very many friends. And I joke with her that part of it is I was so spoiled with her by her friendship. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is just the most <laughs> wonderful, like amazingly smart. Just, I learn something from her every time that I have a conversation with her. And, you know, we also have gone dancing through London clubs together. And so she's just like a wonderful human being. Gosh. And that fork in the road. Imagine that. Yeah. What if Claire was doing like, you know, uh, in a band, yeah. yeah, in a band, then I would be the bass guitarist. I, I'm not musical <laughs> at would, all. So. <laughs> you'd be on tour right now. Yeah, like exactly. You'd be a rock star regardless. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, I well, that. I'm happy that we got you in sports journalism. I think there are a lot of fantastic stories and shows and walls to be padded that you were going to shed light on in the coming years. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I just think the future, I don't think, I know this. The future (laughs) is so bright for Malika. Mm -hmm. Very excited for her. Definitely. And I want to give a little shout out to our friend, Hillary Guy, Mm -hmm. who is the coordinating producer of NBA Today. Lynn and I used to work with Hillary, and we absolutely love Mm -hmm. her. And she helped connect us with Malika. So, Hillary, (laughs) we love you, sister. Hillary's the best. Lynn, what was your takeaway? While we were talking with Malika, I wrote down two words at the top of my notebook. Hard work. Mm-hmm. And her path also reminds me of a quote that I love from Oprah, which is, luck is preparation meeting opportunity. Oh, boom. <laughs> what's yours? What's your takeaway? I, I loved how humble and grounded she is. Mm-hmm. Because I I do think when some people get into journalism, especially when they're starting out, they think the fastest way to make a name for themselves is to make the story about them. Mm. And it's not about them. It's about getting the story right, not the person covering the story. And she gets that to the core. Mm -hmm. Dare I say capital J journalist. (laughs) I do feel like her gift is multidimensional. Mm. And the consequence, for sure, of, as you said, hard work. Um, But it's grounded in reporting and informing and not hyperbole. So I really admire that and respect that. And I think the athletes she covers do as well. And they honor that. Yay, Malika. Yay, Malika is right. Uh, Questions permitted, Lynn. I picked this question because I was thinking yesterday while working out how much I love music. Mm-hmm. So C.K. Gailey on the Insta, who asks great- Wait, who was it again? C.K. Gailey. Okay. Who has asked us a question before via the Twitter. Now it's going to be via Instagram. She would like to know, what song always puts you in a good mood? Oh, that was a softball you just threw at me. <laughs> God, this one's so easy. I I must have sung it before on the pod, right? 
Yeah, and I, I think we've had a question I mean, like this that was similar, so it could elicit the same answer yeah. that you gave before. Okay. This is an easy one. Go ahead. Indigo Girls, check. Watershed, check. Up on a watershed, standing at the fork in the road. <laughs> you can stand there and agonize till tell your, your agony's your heaviest load. load. Oh, <laughs> you never fly as the crow flies. Get used to a country mile. Oh, the best line. When you're learning to face every path in your... No, sorry. Every path in your face, every choice is with your one. I missed something there, but you get it. Oh, Watershed. Brings me back to my college days. So good. One day, mm-hmm. one day, I'm putting this out there. I'm putting it out into the universe. Yep. Don't just dream it, sing it. We are going to get Amy and Emily on the podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the Indigo Girls. I will share a good mood song that I was totally rocking out to yesterday while running. I Am Here by Pink, the live version. Oh. That will get you Pink's going. That's another good one. Mm-hmm. All right, that does it for us. We have just one more episode coming your way in 2021 to close out season six. And you won't want to miss it because it's with the Dr. Colleen Flash Hacker. Crowd roar, please. Thank you to our sponsors, Ally and Dick Sporting Goods, as always, and to Kate Diaz for our theme music. And thank you, our dope village, for listening. You know we sure do appreciate you all. And remember, sing it with us, kids. Laughter permitted. One opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. Let's go. Hey, Dope Village, now that you know more about the incredible Malika Andrews, be sure to check her out on NBA Today, which offers exclusive content every day, Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, there will be a full cast of NBA experts and insiders, including Kendrick Perkins, Shanae Ogwumike, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, Woj, Ramona Shelburne, and of course, many of our NBA reporters from around the league. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap, and also available as a podcast. Listen to NBA Today wherever you get your podcasts.